The message today is called Better Together. Better Together. Everybody say better. better. See, it was better when you said it together. <laughs> better Together. And um, so I got thinking about things that are better together. Peanut butter is better with? Of course. Jelly jam. I like preserves. Um, lots of chunky fruit in there. Had lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as we were uh, visiting some uh, things and on vacation this year, um, trying to cut the cost of the trip. It was a lot of fun. But peanut butter goes with almost anything as long as you don't have a peanut allergy. Sorry if you do. Even if you do have a peanut allergy, you probably wish you didn't, so I don't mean to rub it in, but peanut butter goes well with chocolate, especially if it's ice cream. Peanut butter goes good with celery, and you got to put some ants on that log. Peanut butter goes well with bananas. Peanut butter banana sandwich, anyone? Come on, who had one growing up? All right. Peanut butter and mayonnaise? Come on. Blake. Uh, I wasn't going to go there because I really didn't want to ruin my illustration, but it just popped out. wasn't in my notes. Strike one. Um, movies. Goes better with popcorn. Matter of fact, popcorn, which I love, goes better with a movie. Men. You see what I'm saying? Men, better with a woman. God knew that, right? And created woman for his glory. And uh, things are better together. And so I'm going to spend some time uh, this morning talking about better together. She told you to open to Romans 12. You can do that, but I'm going to say it this way. Today I'm going to point out three encouraging combinations. Three encouraging combinations from Romans 12 that will help us realize and understand how much we need God in our lives and how much we need each other in the church. Let me say it one more time because I don't want you to lose that. I'm going to point out three encouraging combinations from Romans 12. So turn over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Okay? That will help us realize and understand how much we need God in our lives and how much we need each other in this church. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Better together, three encouraging combinations. Now, I would be remiss not to have this encouraging combination, which is biblical preaching with dependent prayer. So let's pray. Father, in all things, let me speak, open up my mouth, my heart, to speak as of the oracles of God. I know that I'm an imperfect messenger and that I, I will get in the way if not completely submitted to you. So let me be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Let that be worship to you today. I pray that if for some reason I get in the way that you would take by your Holy Spirit and capture that. And everything that gets planted in the hearts of these people today, I pray that it would grow big, strong, lasting into maturity in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 12. We're going to start with this thought. 
Together we are sinful people. You're like, just drop the bomb. Together we are sinful people. I don't think that's like a new revelation for you, so sorry if it is. I just dropped the bomb on you. It's like, yeah, we're all sinners. Together we are sinful people. That's like one half of the equation. Does anybody want to say praise God on that? I mean, together, yeah, we're sinful people. Sinful people put together, ain't nothing happening good with that. Catch the second half. What makes it the combo is we're transformed by God's love. When you put sinful people in a room and you add God's love, there's some transformation that's going to take place, and it's amazing. Let me explain it to you. Uh, Read verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, Somebody's got to have that highlighted in their Bible. I think that might be the statement I need the most. Do not be conformed to this world. Underline that. That's going to help you a lot today. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Think different. That by testing, you may discern What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable? That means pleasing to God and perfect. All right. Together we are sinful people transformed by God's love. When we combine God's mercy, literally his compassion, his love for us, with our unholy tendency to sin, I want to be like the world again today, I don't want, no, I do want whatever I want, thinking, there can be a transformation, right? When you put those two things together, they rub a little. But if you can find a way to kind of interweave your thinking with what God's saying, it changes you by faith in Jesus Christ, it makes you a living sacrifice. And the clearest picture I can give you of God's love is Jesus. All right, so let me, let me give you some context because we're picking up in the middle of Romans. It's Romans 12. Romans 1 through 11 is the doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Doctrine part, heavy teaching. And then Romans 12 through 16 is the practice. Everybody say practice. Practice. Everybody loves to practice? No. Some people like to learn. Some people like to do. But neither want to do it to the nth degree, right? Like, you don't want to overdo it. I want to give you, from Romans 1 and through 11... Um, some verses just to catch you up on where we've been in Romans. So just flip back a couple pages in your Bible to Romans 1. I'm just going to do a little travelogue. You ever been to a travelogue? The millennials are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You must be from another planet. Thank you. 
Romans 1 verse 11. Do you find it? You got it? If you're there, say you're there. Okay, we're going to go fast now. Romans 1, 11 through 12. We're going to keep flipping to the right. So here it is. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Encouraging? That's what he's trying to do. Okay, flip over to uh, chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10, Paul's making a point. He says, as it is written in the Old Testament, no, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Verse 23, just look down at verse 23, do you find it? Wait for somebody to say yes. Okay, most of you are there then. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice I didn't say the love of God. It's the glory of God we fall short of. But the love is coming. Okay, flip over to Romans chapter 5. Some good doctrine for you, just in tidbits today. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read it for you quickly. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love, maybe underline that in your Bible, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a gift that we've been given. God gave His Son to die. God and Jesus, three in one, right, gave the Holy Spirit to be in you even right now. Woo! That's awesome. I mean, I don't know if you don't get cranked up over that. I don't know why you came to church today. That's cool! All right, thank you for being in me, God. For while we were still weak, sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you getting the point? How sinful people and God who's loving in a combination is a very powerful thing. Are you getting the picture? All right, let me keep going. We're not done. Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, 
Sin's, I hope I just prophesied that over somebody. Sin's not going to have dominion over you anymore. Since you are not under law, but under grace. Verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 6. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, slaves to his love, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. We're in sanctification right now and when I die, I'm going to be in eternal life. I can't wait. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, keep flipping. Next one. Romans chapter 8. You could spend a lot of time here. I mean, if you don't know where to go to get like some devotions on this week, uh, I'm thinking Romans 8. I'm pretty sure that's a good place. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation. I mean, are you gripping this? Are you grasping this? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The competing laws, you can only submit to one. Which is it going to be? Look down at verse 31. It gets kind of crazy now. What then shall we say to these things? Our sinful nature, God's awesome love. What should we say about this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. In case you didn't think you were included. How will he not also with him, Jesus, graciously give all things, including the Holy Spirit? Who, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What's the answer? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? I don't think so. What about a sword? No! As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed by all those things all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We're victors through him who loved us. <laughs> That's the powerful combo. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor rulers. Sorry, I got into the King James there for a second. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth nor anything else in all creation, that's a bold statement, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, I'm encouraged. Chapter 11. This is the best medicine ever. A little doctrine 
to light a fire under you so you can understand this combo between sinful people and a loving God. We fall short of his glory, for sure. But he's pursuing us with his love. Chapter 11, verse 32. This is clear as can be. For God has consigned all to disobedience, to sin. We're like loaned out to sin. That he may have mercy, love on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. That's just a taste. Just a taste of the doctrine that he teaches in, verses, or in chapter 1 through 11. I just wanted to give you that picture so that you would understand this powerful combo Do you see it? That's the question. I read it. You might have gotten bored. It might have been too long. But God wants sinful people like us to know he loves them. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the clearest picture of God's love for us. 1 John 4 says that. Jesus died and rose again in victory over sin and death. Now I know you're listening to me preach. And I know you're like, man, that was good. It wasn't something that I came up with on my own. I'm going to say it again. I want you to think about that statement and what it means to you. And what a tangible, real response should be. Okay? Jesus died and rose again in victory over sin and death. What do you think? I'm just going to say it again. Jesus died and rose again in victory over my sin and death. I mean, that just kind of like, I know we're like kind of going fast and I'm like, you know. But you got to stop. You got to take just that phrase in. That's the combo. That's the connection. That's the transformation. Jesus is the transformer that puts that together, us, our sinfulness, and God, his love, and it connects us together. We're transformed, we're changed when we understand that Jesus is that connection. And it's kind of like this picture, this word transformed here means metamorphosis. There's this picture on the screen, let's, let's put it up. That's what we're talking about. There's this caterpillar right? And you're like, meh, some people like caterpillars, some people don't. Personally, they're cool, but I don't want to touch one. Butterfly? That seems harmless. Not as annoying as flies. It's amazing that something like that can change to something like that. It's amazing that God can take me in my sinful, flesh-eaten state and make me (laughs) alive, spirit-filled, fruitful. That's a transformation. And this is a powerful, powerful, powerful combination. So let me say this. Do you believe that sinful people and God's love are better together? Do you believe that? 
I do. I do. And I believe the text is saying to us, we need to believe that. We need to lay our own thinking down. We need to pick up God's thinking, which is like, you know what? You're better with me than without me. We're better with God than without him. I think you know that because you're here in church today. But have you ever said that to your father? Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever said, God, could you reconcile my sin with your life, love? Could you, by faith, I'm just going to accept that my sin plus your love for me shown in Jesus Christ is going to equal this transformation and it's going to be awesome. Have you ever asked God to transform your life? We call that salvation. But it also starts a process of sanctification in your life, which is transforming you from one degree of glory to another until you die one day and are glorified in the presence of your Lord and Savior. It's amazing. All right, second. Here's the second powerful combo. Together, we are different people. Some people are like, yeah, it's good to be different. I don't mind differences. I like it when people are different. I kind of like to debate differences sometimes. You know, I'm just that guy. Some people don't like to debate differences. They just rather like not say that they're different. Together we are different people. We're different. Different people together, not so good sometimes. Let me say it this way. Different people don't do so well together without our realizing that we are uniquely gifted by God's grace. That's it. Together, we are different people, uniquely gifted by God's grace. See it in the text. Look at verses 3 through 8. I'll read it for you quickly. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I think we all struggle with that. But to think with sober judgment, which is why the discerning and the testing is so important, because it helps your judgment, your sober judgment. To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Did you know that God's given you some, a measure of faith and God's given me, assigned to me some measure of faith and they're probably not the same measure? It's okay, right? We're different. I might be able to be like, hey, we should take a loan for a $5 million building. You might be like, I think I'm on a million. And that's different levels of faith. It's okay. We're different. God assigns our faith, and we're growing. For as in one body we have many members, and the members, the parts, do not all have the same function. We, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ, do you see that word? Different. They differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. That should be underlined in your Bible if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If, if you underline in your Bible. I mean, some people don't, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying like you're not a follower of Jesus Christ if you don't underline it. Just, just, let's be clear, okay? Like, I mean, like, I mean, this isn't legalism. You guys understand that, right? This is the word of God. 
But I'm just saying in my Bible, because I underline in my Bible, that circled. It's like, use your gifts. God says, use them. That's what God says. Okay. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I'm just going to give you the highlights. Seven gifts represented. There's more, but seven gifts represented. Three speaking gifts, four serving gifts. You go do a little test later and see if you can figure out which is which. You're like, how did you know that? First Peter 4, 10 and 11. Go write that down quick. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, You who have speaking gifts, speak as of, the, as of the oracles of God. You who have serving gifts, serve with the strength that God supplies. It's all about God, whether you have serving or speaking gifts. And he gives you seven gifts here. Can you get one? Can you, can, you, can you figure out which one you are? You're supposed to test yourself. You're supposed to discern. You might have to accept. You might, I don't want to have that gift. Well, God chose. <laughs> you have it? Take it up with him. Not with me. Ask him. Like, accept the gift you have and then use it, maximize it for his glory. That's what we're all about. Now, <laughs> what are you good at? Do you know what you're good at? I mean, like, Andrew's great at worship. Adam's great at being a doctor. I mean, you start picking people out, and you're like, you kids are great at listening. Awesome job. I mean, what are you good at? What has God gifted you with? And then do you know that it is from God? Is that correct? Do you, do you understand this is from God? Or are you kind of like, yeah, no, I worked really hard at that, how to play tennis. Well, I, I practiced a lot. Yes, you practiced, you exercised, you stewarded or used the gift that God gave you. That's what happened. We need to exercise and practice and use the gifts that God gives us. When we don't do that, that's not good. When we try to um, use our gifts in an overbearing or selfish way, I was really convicted this week about the fact that I get up and preach for 40 minutes and Brent leads worship for 30 or Andrew today and it's like two people's gifts are on display. Great, let's go home. That's not the church. So I'm, I don't, I'm convicted about that. I don't know what to do. I know that's another message. But I don't know what to do with that. But I'm convicted by, like, how do we get more gifts on display? And it made me think of this phrase, the tail that wags the dog. You ever heard of that phrase? Who's heard of the phrase, the tail that wags the dog? Wow, not that many. I'm surprised. It's an idiom. It's an American thing. Um, in 19, no, 1870-ish. A guy coined this phrase, and it was a political thing. He was like, you know, the Democratic Party being controlled by this one convention in Cincinnati. It's like the tail that wags the dog. It's a whole Democratic Party controlled by this one convention. The tail that wags the dog. You know what? You know why he's telling us not to be proud, not to do all these things, not to let our differences be the main thing? 
because that's the tail that wags the dog. I'll describe it to you. Here's the definition. The definition of the tail that wagged the dog is it's used to describe a situation in which an important or powerful person or organization is being controlled by someone or something that is less, much less important or powerful. When we as leaders in the church try to control the church, when we as small group leaders, when we as people of the church try to control the church, when Jesus Christ is supposed to be in control, it's like the tail wagging the dog. Look at these pictures. They're kind of funny. That's a weird dog right there. But that's like the tail wagging the dog. Where's the head? I don't know. Jesus ain't here today. Like, that's, that's not it. All right? And then look at this one. Like, that's crazy. The tail wagging the dog. Like, let's not do that with our gifts. Can we, can we commit to that, church, this year? Hey, we want to use our gifts. We want to know our gifts. We want to accept what they are. We want to apply them. We want to, we want to like, use them, steward them. But we're not going to be the tail that wags the dog. That's really, really important. All right, second powerful combo. Together we are different people. It's okay to be different as long as we understand we're gifted. God gives you the differences you have. God gives you the gifts and abilities you have by his grace. Know your gifts. Accept your gifts. Use your gifts for God's glory. Really coming back to a living sacrifice about laying your life down for the greater, for the bigger church. Okay, we're better together. Better together. All right, this is the third thing. I gotta go quickly. Better together. Together, we are real people. Now, this is the word I have to explain in the whole outline. Real. What does real mean? It's like, pinch your neighbor. Yeah, you're real. I'm real. Real means that you'll give me the last 10%. Will you give me the last 10%? Most people will be like, ah, great message, pastor. Very rarely will people be like, yeah, you know, you said that one thing. I didn't agree with it. Or, you know, just tell you how I really, you know, I don't think your clothes match. Like, that's real. If you don't think my clothes match, just say it. I don't know. I dressed in the dark. My wife wasn't up yet. It's okay with me if my clothes don't match, right? That's not why what I did today. That wasn't the most important thing I did today was get clothes on, all right? So I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's okay to give the last 10%. We want to be a church of real people. But when you give that last percent, give it in love, all right? So real people, I've, I've described it now. Together we are real people. Real people empowered by God's word. Right? That's the part that shows us how to act when we're going to be real. Empowered by God's word. God wor- God's word gives us the parameters with how to be real okay? with each other. How to speak the truth in love. I'm going to read the passage, but before I do, I want to just give you the first couple words. Let love be genuine. Four words. Let love be real. It's not loving to think badly about somebody and not tell them in a loving way or not just roll it off to God and never think it again. Here's what it is. Uh, I'm going to put this uh, phrase on the board. 
It's a quote from Warren Rearsby I came across this week in study, and I just thought, man, this is true. Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body, which enables all the members to function in a healthy, harmonious way. Love is the thing. It's the main thing. It's the only thing. It's the best thing. It's the greatest of all these things. Love. That's the oil in our relationships. And it's so important. All right, let me read the whole passage now to get this point. Together we are real people empowered by God's word. Here it is, that powerful combo. Let me empower you by the word of God. Listen closely, I'm going to go quickly. Let love be genuine. Abhor, that means hate, just in case you wanted to know. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Notice he's going to close with a similar phrase. Then he's going to give us a bunch of stuff here. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but be associated with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That is a really hard phrase to practice. Repay no one evil for evil, but... Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, loved ones, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's an Egyptian kind of like... In Egypt, if you were repentant or full of shame, you would take and carry ashes on a, on a bowl or plate or pan on your head. So it's kind of like a, a picture. He's giving you a word picture. It really, like, what happens is shame... And repentance come to those that you love even though they're not being loving to you. You teach them by your example how to really act and it makes them rethink their living. Then the last phrase. Remember I said it was a sandwich. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The last phrase. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That should be memorized by every Christian. Right? Let's memorize that. Do not be overcome by evil. No way. There's tons of evil around us. There's tons of evil in us. Don't be overcome by that. But overcome evil with good. And therefore, in order to overcome evil, because real people got real evil, real people, real problems. Tell me, am I right or not? I mean, you're looking at me like, man, he's the only one. I'm like, I hope I'm not the only one. But we're real people, we got real problems. And we need good. And that good comes from the Word of God. Right? How do you know how to be good? 
How do you know the love of God? How do you experience the grace that he's given? How do you... It's the Word and the Spirit, but the Word written by the Spirit for us. It empowers us to live a good life. It teaches us. Man, I've learned so much from this passage. The reason I'm preaching this passage is because we had a counselor come in and talk to our staff in, in March, and he said, Steve, you gotta, you got to read Romans 8, uh, 12. And I was like, man, I've been reading that. And he's like, no, 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 no. you got to meditate then on Romans 12. you got to keep reading it. you got to keep reading it. And I was like, all right. And we, we did some things together, and it's like, man, this is amazing. This is how we should live. So I want you to really get this. And so I kind of remember when we were in high school, Kendall, and, um, you know, you know, well, we were not in high school yet, but we were in the same school. But um, remember, remember they would do like, remember the cheerleaders? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> now you're thinking weird things. No, that's not, that's not it. Um, but they would do this chant. They would do this cheer, right? I say, you say, do you know what I'm talking about? Come on now, who's the cheerleader? No, it's like not cool to be a cheerleader anymore. Like, who was a cheerleader? Come on, let's go. All right, all right, so you know where I'm going with this, right? I'm not going to do as well as any cheerleader. I've never cheerleaded in my life. But here it is. It's so hard. I can bring myself to do it. Okay, I say hate, you say evil. Hate, evil. hate. Evil. All right, there it is. I got there. Brought out my inner cheerleader. All right. Whoa. Okay. I say hold, you say good. Hold, good. hold. Good. That's it, right there. We need to hate evil. We need to hold on to good. That's it. How do we do that? Well, he gives us a list. God's great at giving lists. It's like, here's a bunch of ways you could do that. Because they're going to apply to your life. So let's apply the word of God to our life. The word empowers us. It's the great combo. So here it is. How to overcome with good. I'm going to give you five things that every Christian should do with other Christians. And I'm going to give you one thing that we should do with everybody we know. Okay? Five and one. The first five deal with us in the church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is how we should treat one another. First, love one another with or by showing honor. Love one another by showing honor. Um, I want to give an example of this so badly, but I don't want to run over time, so I'm going uh, to stop. But there's so many ways to show honor, you're going to have to make that up your own way. Show one another love Okay? Love one another by showing honor. Let me get it right. Love one another by showing honor. Everybody got it written down? Okay, good. Okay, second. Passionately or diligently serve the Lord. You're like, why both? So some of us are really zealous, passionate. That's me. I need a little diligence in serving the Lord. Some of you are really diligent. Got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. You need to have some passion. So pick your poison. What, what do you need, right? What, like, which is it? It's not poison. That was kind of a bad way to say that. Sorry. I apologize. Pick which one applies to you. Just got carried away there with my flesh. Third, 
Cheerful dependence on the Lord in prayer. Cheerful dependence on the Lord in prayer. Like, where did you get that? Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You put that together, it's cheerful dependence on the Lord in prayer. Okay, number four. Contribute to needs showing hospitality. Contribute to needs showing hospitality. Write these five things down and practice them. We're going to have an awesome church because God is awesome when we obey his word. Contribute to needs showing hospitality. And here's the last one of the five. Live in harmony with one another. All straight from the text. Live in harmony with one another. That's how we interact. That's how we overcome with good. We can overcome any evil with this good. All right, and here's one for us to apply even in the world because I know you have to go to work and I know you have to be on with unbelievers and I know it's hard and we need to love them. Live at peace with all people. He gives a clause on that if possible. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't have God in them, and so it might not be possible, right? But if possible, live at peace with all people. There's a warning here, don't avenge yourself, only good. There's a warning at the back of uh, the live at harmony, never pride, no evil, okay? Hate evil, hold good. Okay, I've given you these six. I hope that you've written them down. What I would expect you to do is just revisit them and say, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How am I overcoming good this week? We're better together when we love each other well. Hey, is that true? We're better together when we love each other well. That's the truth. All right, I'm almost done. God gave me something this morning I wanted to share with you just at the end, okay? So I'm going through all these combos, right? Sinful people loving God. Boom! But I want you to go back to that part in the message. And what the passage is really getting to, one word, is humility. Write it down. Sinful people, God's love. The result of the combo is humility. And it's necessary in our lives. All right, go to the second one. Different people gifted by God's grace. Different people, God's grace. The result of that combo is unity. It's unity. And we need that. We're better together with that. And then the last one. Real people empowered by God's word It's love, right? It's this love for one another. It's this way we're oiled together, even when we're maybe rough on the edges, that makes everything work. We're better together, church. We're better together. We need each other. You know what? We not only need each other in this church, we need the other churches in this town, right? So don't make it all about us. We need other Christians, other churches in this town or we're not going to reach this city with the love of Jesus Christ. 
We're better together. We're not fighting other churches. We're not fighting other believers. We're not fighting for anything but the gospel and the name of Jesus Christ. Is that clear? Okay. We're better together. Let me pray. God, I pray that you would seal this message on my heart and teach me even the things that I don't understand still. And I pray that um, it would be clear that you would begin to change us from the inside out, each individual, that we would draw a circle around ourselves and that we would point in and start to think about how we're going to be different and how this message is going to be applied and how we need each other and we need you, God. We're better together. We're better with you and we're better together. We're better with each other. Man, thank you for Jesus Christ that connects it all. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.